You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Tuesday edition. That means we'll have our two-minute warning segment, your questions. We'll try to cover every division in the NFL for at least two minutes on today's program and also go over what we saw on Monday Night Football, Vikings, Bears. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. At BD Peacock on Twitter is where you can find me at Williamson NFL. Matt Williamson is a must follow. And Matt, watching this Monday Night Football game, Vikings beating the Bears 19-13. A three-game win streak for the Vikings, a four-game losing streak for the Bears now. Vikes at 4-5, and five, Bears at 5-5 five and five. in the NFC North. I came away with thinking, okay... So everything we've seen with Chicago Bears, they've got a good defense trying to figure out quarterback, trying to get something going on offense. And the best player they have right now is Cordero Patterson. Is that where the <laughs> Chicago Bears are 10 weeks into the 2020 NFL season? It seems that way. I mean, their best player is Allen Robinson, but it really doesn't matter if he runs routes and gets open and no one throws him yes. the football or, you know, in a way that he can make a play on it. Um, I feel like there should be a mutiny coming. You know, like teams can put up with these kind of things where one side's really good and the other side's really bad for a month, maybe two, but it's been two years and that gets really old for the Khalil Max and Roquan Smith and Akeem Hicks of the world. And obviously things changed a little when Hicks left this game, you know, they had cooked bottled up for much of the day. And then, you know, eventually you're just on the field too much. I don't care how good your defense is. But, man, this Bears offense is so miserable. I, I mean, you, you said Cordell Patterson has a return for a touchdown. Other than that, it's three and out, three and out, um, three yards of play. I mean, so bad. And there was a couple other things that made me crazy, too, that I started tweeting at the end of the game, was there was a third and five that they basically – it was a shotgun snap to Foles, or maybe even Foles was out of the game. And he throws it exactly horizontal, like seven yards behind the line of scrimmage, hoping his guy can break 15 tackles and get five yards. Like, not even giving your the team a chance to win. And then the other one that made me bonkers was Minnesota, very late in the game, were punting. And all the announcers are like, man, their punt protection's a big problem. Maybe they should go for it. Maybe it's, you know, punting's scary for this team. They don't even, and the Bears don't even have punt block on. You know, they have two gunners out on the on the uh, the guys. You know, running the, uh, at the wide receiver positions out wide. They don't even have a full punt block on. They just let them gradually get the ball, punt it wherever he wants. Okay, we'll start in our own six or whatever it is. Like, what are you doing? Wow. Yeah, I, I didn't even notice the the punt block thing, but that's a that's a big deal, right? And yeah your only chance but I did see the play and it, it's maddening and I, I've seen some maddening play calling around the NFL at times and it, it tells you how they feel about their own team on that third down play where they're throwing it four no yards doubt. behind the line of scrimmage when they they need to get a first down it's give your team a shot at least and those things when you're watching a football game are just maddening I'm sure there's some method behind it but um yeah pl changing it's play calling duties trust, yeah still, yeah exactly yeah. lack of trust and i think play calling duties in in some cases uh even when they shift uh, we're still seeing the chicago bears 
they're the same team no matter who's calling the plays at this point. Right. No, that's true. And they're not going anywhere. They started the season hot. I got a lot of Bears fans barking at me that I was too hard on the Bears when they had a really good record. But this is what the offenses look like pretty much all year. Right. <laughs> right. No, great point. And uh, I want to actually call out a tweet here from a friend of the program, a guy we've had on the show before, Brad Spielberger, who used to be at overthecap.com, who, who they do the best cap work, I think, out there independently yeah, of the league. Uh, he's now doing cap stuff for Pro Football Focus. And uh, it was pretty amazing. He, he retweeted himself last night because he was talking about the Bears team in September. And we had talked about the Bears team. And, you know, to your point there, this is what he said in September. This is September 2nd. He said, pretty much accepted the fact, and he's a Bears fan, pretty much accepted oh, okay. the fact that Trubisky is going to start week one at Detroit, throw for 350 yards, a couple touchdowns. He'll probably win the Giants game in week two against a secondary that is patchwork at this moment. Through week six, they'll be over 500, then they'll lose five straight. He said that in September about his <laughs> Chicago Bears, and I think he nailed it. So uh, unfortunately for Bears fans, you kind of see this coming. So those of those Bears fans that disagreed with where we were when we were talking about this team when they were, you know, five and one and five and two, I think might have been might have had their head in the clouds a little bit. I, I'm going to, you know, I'm sure you can find it somewhere either on this podcast or back on, you know, locked on NFL but many times in the offseason, when asked about the Bears quarterback situation, my prediction was we're going to see both quarterbacks back and forth throughout the year. I think that's probably how the second half of the season is going to go. I mean, Trubisky will get in there at some point. He won't make it any better. Foles will finish up the season. You know, like neither one's the answer. They're going to flip flop back and forth, in my opinion, and to no results. And they'll probably win too many games to be out of the top quarterback race and are they willing to move up like crazy or maybe Jameis Winston's auditioning for the bears right now. I mean, uh, something needs to be done, but it's more than just a quarterback too. The O-line's terrible. I, I worry about the people in charge, the coaching staff. Yeah. I think it has to start there and who, who put the quarterbacks together and yeah, that's right. an important, and actually Tyler Bray is, is a quarterback we might see some of, going forward and why not let's see right, a, let's see right. a third quarterback there too in Chicago but um definitely going in the wrong direction there for the Bears and the Vikings obviously trending in the right direction with that winning streak at four and five now and uh, might be in that that conversation of a team that we didn't think was going to be I mean they were what one and five right and now one ripping, and five. Off, ripping right. off three straight and look at this schedule for a minnesota vikings team that's already won three straight they've got the cowboys panthers jaguars coming up next that could be six straight games pretty easily yeah. be well over 500 now you're talking about a team that's seven and five getting ready to make a playoff run they have the bears again they have the lions they also have the bucks and the saints at the end of the year so if they lose bucks and saints and win the rest of those games it's a nine and seventeen. Could they squeak in? Maybe, maybe. And this goes to my point with the Bears, though. I mean, and I'm guilty of this sometimes too, where it's Halloween and you feel like you know the book on a team. These coaches across the league as a whole are miraculous. And guys like Zimmer, Belichick, you know, like they're allowed to make their team better throughout the year. You know, like the Bears are getting no better, not better at all. That's why I'd be so frustrated if I was a defensive player for them or the defensive staff. 
the Vikes are getting better. You know, the Giants are getting better. You know, the Eagles aren't getting better. Like, I think it's interesting this time of year to say, okay, things didn't go well early. They had a lot of injuries or who the heck knows for every team. But you're allowed to get better throughout the course of the year. And different parts of the year are better for teams because of how they're built, how they're developing, Mm -hmm. who's healthy, who's not healthy, and weather. And we're starting to see that now, too. Those bad weather teams are going to start having a lot bigger advantage than they might have had in September, October. No doubt. And obviously, these teams didn't have the normal prep time and Mm -hmm. preseasons and all that, which goes without saying. So it's only a 16-game season. It seems like a small sample, but when you put it together, it's somewhat of a marathon season in the NFL with the attrition rate and all the injuries. And so, uh, yeah, nothing is set yet. And a lot of these teams that are winning some games are going to lose some. A lot of teams that were losing a lot of games are going to win some. So we'll see where everyone's standing at the end of the year. But getting a little bit more interesting in the NFC where it started to look like, man, there's only about um, you know eight teams that have a shot at the seven playoff spots. Yeah, and this isn't where I planned on going. We got a lot of questions to answer, but I mean, all of a sudden the AFC has like nine teams fighting for yes. playoff spots. You know, the Browns Absolutely. and Raiders and Dolphins, and you know, it's things are changing. Ooh, let's tease that. There's a question about the Raiders and what legitimate shots they have at the playoffs and where we see them going. We want to talk MVP race. We got some questions there coming up on Two Minute Warning. But first, I'd like to tell the folks out there about. DoorDash. One of the industries that's being hit really hard right now during this pandemic is the restaurant biz. And it's something that's very close to my heart. I've worked in the restaurant business and some of that as a delivery driver. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is super easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and food will be left safely on your doorstep. New contact list delivery drop off setting as well on the DoorDash app. Over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia. The best part is right now our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code Locked On. Again, that's code Locked On. $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app. Don't forget, that's code locked on for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. All day long, football, it is my job, and I uh, take notes, and I watch every single game that I can, and then I go back later in the week and watch every single bit of games that I missed. So I need a lot of refreshment Sundays. And Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Okay, I think we can spend two minutes on most of these questions, but there's one I want to start with because it's going to be the longest, and this is less of a two-minute warning question and more about something that we teased before, and I think is very interesting, and John asked the question about Big Ben being MVP, not saying the front runner, but arguably playing better than Wilson the past few weeks, more touchdowns than Kyler, and half the interceptions. Difference between Pitt being a 500 team and an undefeated team is Ben Roethlisberger. 22-4 to touchdown-to-interception ratio in just nine games would be MVP numbers 
a lot of years. That's the argument for Big Ben, and I think you said yesterday that you wouldn't put him in that conversation, but let's uh, let's re-handicap this thing after 10 weeks because this is no, no longer Russell Wilson's award to lose, in my opinion. He's still near the top, but is he at the top still? Is it... Uh, Aaron Rodgers is Big Ben in the conversation. Mahomes is is starting to make his case now, and he's definitely not going to go away. And Kyler Murray, I think, is the latest name. And Kyler Murray, the thing for him is he's a younger quarterback, doesn't have the name recognition, I think, for voters sometimes. They, they, you got to pay your dues a little bit. He was the number one overall pick, so everyone knows who he is, obviously. But he has his, he has his highlight moment now. He has that Hale Murray play where people can go back and say, ah, MVP <laughs> moment for the future league MVP, right? So is that enough to get Kyler Murray's name in this conversation now? It is an interesting conversation. And I just want to throw out Kamara and Cook as well. I know they're not going to win at their running backs, mm-hmm. but they should be offensive player of the year type guys. They're both having MVP type of seasons. They're not going to win it. Yeah, and we didn't mention Kyler, Cook enough in that. In that sorry ahead. to interrupt. We, we, didn't, we didn't mention Cook enough in that uh in that Vikings Bears Monday night game, because Dalvin Cook, I mean, he didn't have a huge game, but he's clearly their their best player. When you watch them play, you're like, okay, that guy's different. Yeah, absolutely, tough sledding for him, and he eventually, you know, got the job done. You know, tough tough effort again by him. Um, Kyler, I kind of laughed at it. I mean, all off season, people are like, well, Mahomes was great his rookie year, and then his second year he won the MVP. Lamar did the same thing. People forget, really, Wentz did the same thing if he wouldn't have got hurt. It's Kyler's turn. That's how the league works now. I'm like, it's not how the league works. People don't come in the <laughs> league and win MVPs their second year just because it's happened recently. Well, you know, I mean, you mentioned it. I mean, he has some signature moments now. He's putting up Lamar numbers as a runner. He's a much improved passer. What if they win the division? You know, I mean, the toughest division in the league. They're tied for it right now. They have some big wins. I mean, I think he'd have to keep this level up and then maybe some other people will have to fall off a little. But I think it's time to start throwing that name out there. If you had to rank them today, right now, what would your order be? And for John's question, where would Ben line up in there? Ben would be right behind Kyler, also behind Rodgers, behind Wilson, behind Mahomes. But the Steelers might end up being 15-1 and one or 14 and two, or, I mean, they don't have that many difficult games ahead of them. And he certainly benefits from, remember what this offense looked without Ben, without Ben, you know, it's kind of like the Dak, you know, you you realize how valuable are when they're gone, the Dak Prescott feeling. Um, But I don't think he can be rival Mahomes for the MVP. I mean, frankly, I think Mahomes is going to win it. And, you know, and that's not much fun. But I yeah. think that if I had to put a chip down, it'd be Mahomes. Wilson's thrown seven picks over the last three games. Right. Yeah. And there was a listener after last week that said it was offended that I said it was still um, Russell Wilson, the front runner. And, and this was a Packers fan that really was fighting for uh, Aaron Rodgers' name being in there. And, and, you know, after another week, maybe. And Rodgers had threw a pick too, but you know that's two weeks in a row now, and it's probably close enough now that maybe I would put Rodgers on top if I was voting today. I think it was clearly for eight weeks it was Russell Wilson's award. He, Russell Wilson still might win it if the season ended today, but it's a lot closer. And Mahomes is absolutely yeah. in there, and I think just right behind those three, uh, Kyler's definitely making his case to be on par there with those guys, and Big Ben would definitely be behind them. And, and you know, Big Ben's just getting lost in this season, unfortunately for him. But I'm with you; he would be outside easily of, of those guys for me right yeah. now. I, I agree. But having a really good year and 
a, a su- su- certainly a catalyst for an undefeated season. This one from Joshua. Let's go AFC West. Speaking of Mahomes, he wants to talk about the Raiders, though. How deep of a run could the Raiders make this year? What are they missing that would keep them from the Super Bowl? Well, I think they have to play a certain way. And I, I think Gruden really realizes that I have to protect my defense. I'm light on talent. We still need another offseason of def- you know defensive infusion on that side of the ball, another a group of Mayock picks and signings to help that side, but they have the O line in the running game to do that. And when they're successful, it's when they control the football and they're one of the best teams in the league in time of possession. And that's led, led to a very um, successful season. So I think a lot of it depends on opponent. Can they run the ball? Can they control the clock and keep the defense off the field? It used to be, can you kind of hide your quarterback a little bit? I, I don't think that's the case with Carr anymore. I think it's you got to hide the defense. Don't expose that defense too much. So um, I'm really impressed. I mean, we haven't talked about coach of the year much, but I think Gruden's in that conversation. I'd probably put Tomlin and Flores ahead of him, but I think Gruden's had done a miraculous job. And an impressive resume for the Raiders. They've beaten the Chiefs, the only team that's yeah. done that this year, and they've beaten the Saints. I think the most difficult number one thing from them getting to the Super Bowl is that it's either going to be the Chiefs or the Steelers that have that first round by. So that's an extra week, and that's a gauntlet. It's always hard for teams. you got to win that extra game to get into the Super Bowl. They would have to beat the Chiefs a second time, or who knows, maybe even a third time if they beat them again uh, next week. The... The defense is the one thing roster-wise that's, uh, and they've played well enough in a lot of games, but I mm-hmm. just, I, I feel like that's what's going to let them down. And we might see that in that Chiefs game at some point where it's just like, okay, you can't. And they kept the Chiefs to, you know, 32 points, but they scored 40 on the Chiefs. Are they going to score 40 on the Chiefs again? Uh, I, I don't know about that. So I think we might learn a lot about the Raiders when they go up against the Chiefs, who not only are in their division, but they would have to go through in the AFC to get to the Super Bowl too. Yeah, and I don't think going on the road in the playoffs is going to be nearly as daunting this year as every other year in the history of the world. But if they get in the playoffs, it's going to be as a wild card. They're not going to win the division, even if they beat the Chiefs this week. I can't give them that you know that kind of credit. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I, I still think that it's going to be a long road. But frankly, from where this team was, where when Gruden and these guys took over, I mean, they were horrible trading Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. I mean, it gives hope to a lot of these rebuilding projects like the Jets. And, and a couple of years out, I mean, they're uh, they're a pretty legit team right now. Oh, by the way, I do that power ranks every week. And trust me, Raiders fans let me know that, well, there's one team out there that beat two teams in your top three. You know, you mentioned yeah. the Saints and Chiefs win. And I have no argument for it. Like, yeah, you're right. They're pretty darn good wins. And it's not quite like the Bears or some other teams earlier in the season were like, let's let's pump the brakes here and wait and see. I think they're over that hump. But at the same time, yeah. man, that's they're going to have to do. So what they did there, they're going to have to do that again in the playoffs, like three times, beat those good teams to get into the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. That's really difficult. So still some... And, and we'll see how they finish up this season. And they've got some tough games left. But the Raiders, uh, absolutely, Gruden belongs in that conversation for Coach of the Year because the way they're playing right now. And I didn't quite think they're ready for prime time, but they're proving that maybe they are. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the hump. I mean, I think that they're they're a good team. You know, it's I'm convinced they're a good team. I'm not convinced they're a contender to win the you know Lombardi Trophy, but mm-hmm. I'm convinced that they can hang or beat anybody. 
Let's finish this up strong, Matt. We've got a ton of questions to get to on this two-minute warning. Peacock and Williamson. Are you hitting a wall on this Tuesday or after 10 weeks of an NFL season? Is your team's performance weighing on you? We'll break through that wall with Built Go. Whether it's a mental wall, a physical wall, break through it with Go every day. It's a small packet, one and a half ounces, very easy to take. Put it in your glove compartment, in your pocket, in your backpack, in your briefcase, in your golf bag to power through the back nine. And Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's like an energy drink without the same crash of his over-sugared beverage. And it's good for you. It's natural. It's better for your body. Three delicious flavors of Built Go. Peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. They are filled with protein. Collagen protein specifically because it's fast absorbing. Gets in your system fast and it's easy on the stomach. Beta alanine. B vitamins, honey, and a little kick of caffeine. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED. You'll get 20% off your next order. That is promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. The team at the very bottom of your power rankings, Matt, this question from Ty, he says, do you think the senior bowl roster could beat the 2020 Jets? They'd lose 70 to nothing. <laughs> yeah, they would lose big. The senior bowl roster is worse than some of the is worse than Alabama. Right. I mean, in a lot of ways, Bam. because not even all the best prospects go to the senior bowl anyway. And you get a week to practice. So, no, senior bowl, I think, is a bad one. But if, if we're looking at college teams and, and none of them this year, just because of the way this I mean, look, the Jets are too. The, the Jets have all the best players from college, even if they aren't the best NFL team, they still have, you know, a, a powerhouse roster that would that are grown men that would destroy people. The only arguments I've ever seen for college teams that could beat an NFL team was like Alabama beating Cleveland a few years ago. Or you, it, for me, really, the one is you go back to the Miami Hurricanes, early 2000s. Yeah. You know, they could probably beat the expansion Browns because they have literally half a dozen future NFL Hall of Famers on that roster. All right, I'm going to argue with you on that, though. And even then, I, I right. understand what you're saying. I mean, there's first-round picks everywhere. Their backfield is McGahee, Portis, and Door. two other NFL dudes. You know, like, and I will concede that even – okay, let's talk about last year's Bama team. Last year's Bama wide receiver room, you know, we had two future, future first-round picks, Ruggs, Judy – is better than a lot of NFL wide receiver rooms. And another okay. maybe uh, two first-round wide receivers this year. Right, right. There's like four first-rounders over a two-year stretch in that wide receiver room, not to mention the five-star that can't get on the field or whatever. That Yes, I think a lot of NFL teams would have swapped out their receivers for the Bama receivers. But if they lined up against... All right, Miami last year. How much fun did I make of Miami three weeks in when they were losing by 60 every week? I still think the Dolphins beat that Bama team by 60. Uh, I mean, they've just done so much. There's the schematics of it all, like the practice time they've had in their life, right. the man strength on the line of scrimmage, all the tricks of the trade that an eight-year veteran with three kids at home and $12 million in the bank has done, even though he's not that great of an NFL player by you know NFL standards he still whips up on the kid that doesn't have technique. The blitz, I mean, the, the blitz packages Bama would never pick up. You know, the all the stuff that's in the playbook that even the worst team does would blow 
colleges out of the out of the war out of the water. So, did the U have more talent than an NFL team? Yes, more talent. Yes, more God given whatever Darwin, whatever you believe in talent. Yes, would they win the football game? Never. It's interesting that you bring up the Dolphins too, because they ended up with the quarterback from Alabama in Tua. Yeah, but right, I right. think it's pretty clear at at least at the beginning of his career. And if, if this game was played last year, we've saw, we've seen what Ryan Fitzpatrick looked like at the beginning of the year. Still, you're not even winning that, even though you drafted a quarterback number five overall. You're not instantly better at quarterback yet. There's a lot of projection with these players that go from college to the NFL. And on college rosters, we talk about the high end talent that are NFL players, but there's still non NFL players on even the best rosters at times too, or guys that don't make any impact in the NFL that would be worse than anybody on the Dolphins roster. So um, yeah, no, that's a great point. And even if you look back at that Miami team, you only have four years worth of players. So yeah, Ed Reed and Sean Taylor, they're both on the same <laughs> yeah. team. That's your safeties. You know, Ed Reed yeah. and Sean Taylor, it can't possibly get better than that. But one of them was like a freshman who couldn't even get on the field yet, and he was only 18 years old. So it wasn't the Sean Taylor that we saw as a, as a 24-year-old in the NFL. So that's that's a big difference, too, about even the talent that we're talking about that are future Hall of Famers. They're future Hall of Famers for the reason they weren't yet. Right, right. I mean, and no high school would beat a, you know, a legit college either. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's the same, same type of deal. And I'm just sitting here thinking, like, okay, last year Tua's Bama team plays Miami in Tuscaloosa. They both have a week to prepare. And Alabama's pretty advanced by college standards. Sabins has a massive NFL background. It, you got to be pretty smart to know what you're doing there. Flores' defensive scheme would hit Tua 9,000 times. They wouldn't, you know, yep. basic protections. He would exploit them over and over, you know, things like that. We got to move on here, but it's always a fun yeah. conversation. And in almost every conversation, the more you think about it, the more you look at it, the answer is no. The, 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 the bad NFL team would still destroy the good college team. And look, if they played 100 times, maybe the college team would win some for some of the best matchups ever for college. But yeah, the NFL team almost every time. One last note, and by no means am I cutting on female athletics, but I've been asked that too. Like, would a WNBA team beat North Carolina? Never, ever, ever in a hundred years. You know what I mean? Like the the U.S. Olympic soccer women's team. I think they practice against really good high school boys teams. You know, it's just apples to oranges. I mean, it's just different. Yeah, you're conver- you're you're comparing different people on different paths of their physical abilities and right. limitations and development. And when you're talking about kids playing against adults and, you know, men versus women, it's just, it's different in a lot of cases, especially in right. a physical sport, like, you know, football or basketball, where so much is so much physicality is important. How big you are, just legitimately how big, tall, fast you are. Right. I mean, a six foot one woman who's a great player is a center would never get a rebound. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, uh, I'm not cutting on women's sports at all. I respect them to no end. It's just different. It's a different sport. It's a different, it's why they uh, right, separate right. them. It's why there's a different senior tour in the PGA, right? The old guys aren't in that shape anymore that they can compete with the young guys, even though at one point in time, they were among the greatest ever. Although that's kind of cheating. I didn't mean to go down any of these avenues, but <laughs> I get a big kick out of the seniors because I'm the great senior and then the hot rookie comes in, and he's awesome. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, because he just <laughs> retired from the PGA Tour. And he's like, oh, cool. I'll right. just come in and dominate yeah. some dudes who are 60 now. The, the rookies don't come into the PGA or in the senior tour and struggle. <laughs> They're the best player right away. <laughs> That's a good point. That's hilarious. 
<laughs> All right, let's keep this going. Um, we've got a question about, oh, here's a good one actually from, uh, from Josh. He says, a couple years later, did the Vikings make the right call signing Cousins and letting Teddy walk? Hmm. It's interesting because remember they had Bradford in that conversation too. Yeah. Like that was that was a, a kind of a cluster there. I I would um, say no. Even even with hindsight, no, because you can't fault a team for competing and trying to get better at quarterback. And w- when you look back, I think Cousins and Teddy Bridgewater are very similar quarterbacks, right? I would put them in a in a similar category of, of the time the type of player they are on top of how good they are right they're they're similar type right. of players similar type of offense you can run with both of those players and and i think they've shown a nice bit of leadership both of them it's awesome to see teddy bridgewater come back and and be an nfl starter after the injuries he sustained in his career and, and revive that career and unfortunately he got hurt again last week we'll see pj walker maybe a little bit in carolina but I can't fault the Vikings for trying to get better at quarterback. You can never fault a team for doing that. Right. And and I don't know that they drastically did. And I think you can ask this question and say, okay, Bridgewater and Cousins are similar, as you mentioned. They're basically game managers. They need stuff around them. Cousins cost more. Wouldn't you rather have Bridgewater right now for the buck than Cousins for the buck? And I'd say yes. But Teddy didn't play in 2018, right? Like, you need a quarterback. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there was a long stretch that he was, I hate to say it, but damaged goods. He was unable to play football. Who was your quarterback that year if you're doing this scenario? I mean, if you're just like, oh, we'll stick with Teddy. Well, somebody's got to take snaps in 2018. Right, yeah. You you can't count on someone who's hurt on top of it. And, and, for, and, and what's funny is Teddy Bridgewater really maybe learned something from Kirk Cousins on how to play free agency, right, and, and build your value, then go into unrestricted free agency, which we don't see a lot for quarterbacks, and get yourself a nice bit of scratch. I think both Cousins and Teddy Bridgewater earned bigger contracts than most people expected as free agents. Yeah, in the end, they both came out on top. I think I they're mean, both, the, yeah. The Bridgewater injury was a massive thing to overcome. Oh, it was huge. It was absolutely huge, and, and that has to be a factor in all of this, absolutely. This one from Kevin. Other than four or five teams, I have no idea what's going on this season. As soon as you trust one team, they lose big. As soon as you give up on another team, they win. Whoever has the bet, whoever has the least odds to win the Super Bowl when the playoffs begin is my bet to win the whole thing. So who knows? Maybe maybe that's a Raiders conversation, right? We're not sure about them. Yeah. They, they get into the playoffs with a lower seed, and then they run through the whole thing, and they've already proven they can beat some good teams. But I'm with Kevin. There's This is an odd season. One thing it's pretty clear to me that I'll disagree with is there's a really have and have not situation going on here. There's at least a dozen teams that have only, what, three wins right now. And those teams are, are pretty bad. But maybe to Kevin's point, we've seen some of those teams that were bad to start win some games. So maybe that'll still happen with some of those teams. But I really feel like it's getting clear at the very top and the very bottom. But in the middle is, is pretty wide open. I agree. Although some of these bottom teams, the Giants come to mind, Washington, are being more respectable. I mean, Jacksonville almost beat the Packers. Dallas almost beat the Steelers. But I do think there's a pretty clear group of have-nots. I mean, the teams that need quarterbacks, the ones we're going to talk about with Trey Lance and Lawrence and all those type of guys. I mean, obviously, you see their path. We talk about this a lot on my Steelers show, The Drive. Um, you know, folks, enjoy this, you know, this this run that Pittsburgh has because COVID could hit any minute or injuries. You know, you mentioned, you mentioned the war of attrition 
in the NFL. And I hope we're out of that woods, but it seems like cases are picking back up again around the country. And Chicago last night was shut down. Like, don't count any of your chickens yet is all I'm saying. Even look at your Niners, you know, like they looked great, but a lot of bad luck has just derailed their season. Could that happen to the Chiefs? I mean, I think both the Chiefs tackles were put on the COVID list last night and their guards and center situations already pretty bad. Like Mahomes is great, but he needs an offensive line, you know, like the war. So my point is, I really think more than ever, when we see week 15, 16, 17, Maybe the Titans are steamrolling everyone and Derrick Henry's running for 180 yards a game. They might be my Super Bowl pick. You know, like who's hot then? That's what the Titans did last year, right? Right, right. That's a good one, actually. <laughs> That's exactly what happened there. And right. uh, yeah, week to week, especially when you add COVID into the situation, that could really uh, teeter things in, in one direction or the other. So it's going to be fun. And I, and I think it's just adding to the intrigue of the, the end of the NFL season and into the playoffs. So. It'll be a fun ride, hopefully, here. Uh, Matt, I do want to tease tomorrow's episode. I want to ask you this. When was the last time you made a mock draft? Because there's one coming at the Pro Football Network, and we're going to talk about it on tomorrow's episode. Yeah, I did my first one uh, late Sunday night, and it was an awful lot of fun. And I don't claim to be an expert yet on the the, the, the prospects. I know the top 50, 100 names, and I did a bunch of research I watched some. I've you know trust Mel and Todd and people at the Draft Network and all of you know Tony Pauline at Pro Football Network too and all these draft nicks. So I did my first mock and it was really fun. Um, I think we should go over it tomorrow. I mean my my you know everyone's like it, it's it's fun to put it on paper because a team like Denver I'll be a spoiler didn't get a quarterback. Well. There's not a million quarterbacks in this draft. They go pretty quick. You know what I mean? Like, right, yeah. And then you so, can argue about yeah. the next tier of quarterbacks. Is it going to be three quarterbacks in the first round? Is it going to be five quarterbacks in the first round? And right. uh, it's always fun to look at the college draft. And we're going to cover the draft like crazy in the offseason. But we can dip our toe in the water tomorrow, look at your mock draft, and, and talk a little bit about the NFL draft. Because as we mentioned, there are some have-nots in the NFL. Some fans listening to the show, there's there's no playoff talk about their team. Uh, the NFL draft is their Super Bowl. So let's get into some of that tomorrow. I think that'll be fun. We'll incorporate the college landscape into our stock up, stock down Wednesday right here. Peacock and Williamson.